Hey y'all, you're listening to the Faith Church Sermon Podcast. We are so excited that you're connecting with us today. It is our desire for you to grow as a result of the resources we provide here. We pray that this blesses you today as you seek to know Him more. Well, hope you had a great Thanksgiving. It seems like a long time ago already, right? Thursday, that was Thursday, Thanksgiving, and then you went to Black Friday, right? And then it was local business Saturday. And today's Sunday, we take a break, but tomorrow is Cyber Monday, so you bought all your Christmas presents already, right? Right, you're already there. And I thought, okay, considering we take one day to set aside away from shopping, hopefully, maybe we'll talk about Christmas gifts. What do you want for Christmas this year? So I did a quick search on sort of top gifts, interesting top gifts this year. I'll show you a couple of them. One is this light bulb thing that you can take a light bulb out and put in a security camera into that hole and screw it in and you can watch your wacko neighbors do weird things, right? <laughs> right? I mean, why wouldn't you want one of those this Christmas? Or there's this other contraption that you put on your belly and it promises to melt the fat away right? And it's like a top seller. It's going to melt the fat away and give you muscles. And you're all of a sudden going to have a six pack, right? And so what's great about that is you have to forget about a New Year's resolution or dieting, right? You just get one of those things stuffed in your stocking and you'll be ready for the beach in 2024. Or this last thing is kind of interesting. It's this device that you can wear or keep with you and it'll translate your words into 36 different languages, I mean, that's kind of a cool gift, stocking stuffer for you. I don't know. Things seem to be getting really expensive and really high tech in the gift world. Like what happened to a Red Rider BB gun, right? I just want a Red Rider BB gun, right? But So maybe with all the expensive stuff and all the high tech stuff, maybe this Christmas, the best gift to get would be sort of something simple. I don't know. Maybe 2023 is about simplicity. And I wonder if... A gift you could receive this year, whether you've received it before or you're going to receive it for the first time, is just the simplicity that God wants to talk to you. That the God of the universe actually wants to communicate with you that with all the technology and all the noise and all the business, the thought that God, the one who made us, and knows us, actually wants to interact with us and have a relationship and wants to guide us and lead us and tell us why we're here. And with all the craziness and all the high tech, I wonder the simplicity of Jesus communicating with you would be a gift worth receiving this year. 500 years before the first Christmas, the Greek philosopher Plato said this. So interesting. 500 years before Jesus shows up, Plato says, it may be that someday there will come forth from God a word who will reveal all mysteries and make everything plain. That the Greek philosopher Plato would back then, before Jesus ever showed up, would say maybe the best thing we could all get is a word to reveal the mysteries and make things plain. And he understood that, that sense that we all have, that we wish we would just know what's going on around us. We wish we could get a text message from God. I wish God would be so plain to me to tell me who he is and what he wants from my life. No matter where you are in your spiritual journey, we all long 
to have clarity from God. And is it possible this Christmas that might be the best thing we could all hope for and all receive, clarity from God? And so we're starting this sermon series called The Word Was God in the book of John, in John's gospel. So if you have your Bibles, we're in John chapter one. We're gonna kind of do a slow walk through the opening lines of John's gospel. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John in your New Testament electronic or paper, love for you to follow along. And in this, it's so interesting that the word is God and he comes to give us a word, to tell us something that we all desperately want. Now, when most of us think about Christmas, we think about Mary and Joseph, right? The angels and the shepherds and eight pounds, six ounce Jesus in the manger, right? That's gonna kind of have this cute scene in our minds of Jesus. And what we failed to see is that like this little baby Jesus that many of us focus on on Christmas is an aspect of who Jesus is. And yet, how can this little toddler Jesus, this baby Jesus in a diaper, how can this Jesus reveal to us the mysteries of God? Because if all you have on Christmas is a baby, is he really gonna reveal the mysteries of God? No, what the Bible teaches is that Jesus has existed before all eternity. From eternity past, he came to earth and he became a baby and he lived and died and rose again and he will live forever in eternity future. And eternity past, present on a historic season of time and eternity future. Now this Jesus, the widest cosmic, eternal version. Now he has something to say. Something worth sitting up in our chairs about. Something to communicate. Something he wants us to know. Something that God sent him to say and to do. And so I'm asking you this Christmas to widen your view of Jesus. Because in that simplicity, you might actually hear a word from God. So, John 1, 18. It's interesting. John is Jesus' closest earthly friend. Historically, we know this. If you read the Gospels, he's Jesus' like best friend. So he's a front row seat to everything that Jesus says and does from his life and death and his resurrection. And John is an old man when he writes these words. So decades after Jesus lived and died and rose again, John writes these words, decades later. And so what you find, it's interesting, the spread of the good news of Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ, has already spread across the Roman Empire through three other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The first three gospels, and the gospel of Jesus Christ spreads through these letters that they write. And it's interesting to think about each gospel and what makes them unique. So Matthew is rooting Jesus in Judaism. So if you read Matthew's gospel, you find that Jesus is coming out of the line of Judah, like he's coming out of this family line and he's fulfilling all these messianic prophecies because Matthew wants us to know Jesus's Jewish roots. Mark is a close associate to Peter and he starts the telling of Jesus's story really in the ministry of Jesus from 30 to 33. It's sort of simplistic right to the ministry. Luke is a doctor and a scientist and he does this careful research to find out eyewitness accounts from Jesus's earliest moments to his death and resurrection. John's different. Decades go by. The gospel spreads, and as decades go by, this gospel, this good news of Jesus, of his best friend, things start to get distorted and twisted. 
His best friend, Jesus, the word about him is spread across the Roman Empire and things start to get wonky and a little bit whack. And John was a young man when he interacted with Jesus. Now he's an old man and he's the last man standing, the last apostle. And he picks up his pen and he roots Jesus in eternity. He's like, you know, let's go back before Luke, the researcher, talks about eyewitness accounts. Let's go back before Mark and the ministry of Christ. We're going to go back beyond even the history of Judaism. We're going back to the beginning. And John wants us to see with warmth and passion who Jesus really is so that the church of Jesus Christ wouldn't get off and move beyond who Jesus is. He wants us to know who Jesus really is and who he isn't, and he wants us to see this is an eternal truth that goes way beyond a manger and will last for eternity. At the end of his gospel, in John chapter 20, he kind of gives us his thesis statement of why he writes. He gets, says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So he he spends a lot of time writing about Jesus, but he goes, hey, there's so much more I could say, but I didn't record it. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. John's like, I gotta tell you about this eternal Jesus. He is the Jewish Messiah, the promised and prophesied Messiah that comes out of the line of David to reign forever, but he's also the son of God, right? He's the eternal second person of the Trinity. He's God who's come to earth, and he says, I'm gonna write this to you so that you might believe, because if you would believe in this eternal reality, it will give you, it is the only source of life. A word comes from God, to tell us about life and to lead us into life and it requires us to believe. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for your word, the son of God, who's existed for all eternity and was never created. And I thank you for your word, the Bible, that allows us to learn about you and who you are and what you're like and that communicates to us we ask now that your spirit would guide us into all truth, that you would keep us from thinking or saying anything that wouldn't please you. If there's anything I do or say today that doesn't represent you well, please forgive me and keep me from that and remove anything I might say from people's memories that wouldn't represent you well, but that your word, Jesus, you would speak and that you would give us life in your name. We trust you and believe you. In Christ's name, amen. Opening lines of John chapter one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In the beginning was the Word. John is rooting us back to eternity, and he wants his readers to look at this opening phrase and jog back in their memories actually to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1-1, to the first line, the first passage, the first words of the Bible says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And John's like, I want you to go back to that early foundational moment, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1-1. And it's interesting, how did God create in the beginning? If you look at Genesis 1, it says, God said let there be light. God said, let there be 
animals. God said, let there be water. God said, how does God create in the beginning? God speaks a word and things are created. John's going, go back in your minds to the beginning and the early moments of the Bible, Genesis chapter one, in the beginning was the word. He's rooting us in something that's happened early. Actually, the word existed. This is what the Bible teaches. The word existed before the beginning, he's trying to say. Before time, before earth, before humanity, in the beginning, before anything else existed, there was God and there was this word before the world began. So John 1.1, in the beginning was the word. It was like in the beginning, before there was a beginning, before there was time and space, before there was anything known, there was the word. And the word was with God. So it's like God has existed for all eternity and has existed before time and space. And there's somebody hanging out with him. Like he has a friend. There's somebody with God. Or there's like God's assistant, right? There's somebody with him, with God. There's two people here and one's with God. And if we just stop there, we go, wow. So there's this God who existed before time and space, and there's somebody with him. But you keep going. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, or is God, right? And so you have this God who's existed for all eternity before time and space, which I know is crazy to think about, mind-blowing. There's somebody with him. It's his assistant and friend. No, no, no. It's not his assistant or friend, it's another God. It's another person. There's two of them and they're both God and neither of them are created. They've always existed. They are always together for all eternity. Before there was a beginning, there was God. God and the word. And he continues in verse three to tell us more. Through him, who? The word, all things were made. There's this God that's existed before all time and with him is this word and this word, all things were made. Without this word, nothing was made that has been made. He's doing something. He has a job. He has a unique role. He's this word that's carrying something out, that's doing something on behalf of God. That's kind of mind-blowing. Is your mind hurt yet? It's like, it's a little bit like, oh my goodness, what, what is this? Sunday morning, why are we talking about this? Right, hard, okay, stick with me, stick with me. So let me slow down for a minute and describe to you the word, word, right? So in your Bible, you see the word was, the word was, the word. What does the word in that text mean? It means all the power, emotion, and thought behind an action. So when you're reading there in John 1, it's like the word, the word, the word, the word. What is the word? What do you mean by the word? All the power and the emotion and the thought behind an action is the word, what they're trying to capture in the language. So I'll describe it this way. My wife is a giant fan of Christmas. Me, not so much. Eh, I could give it or take, like whatever, right? So she loves decorating Christmas tree. And it's super important in our family that we decorate a live Christmas tree. And it's even more important that we have the nice warm family moment where we go cut the tree down together, snap, snap, take pictures. <laughs> we have a track record of all of this. We spend oodles of energy and time. We just did it yesterday, right? To go cut down a Christmas. If she had in her mind a thought 
about cutting down a Christmas tree and decorating a real live one. And it was just in her mind and she never spoke it. It would exist in her mind, but it wouldn't be entering reality. And her sons and husband would have no idea. And I would just go and get a cheap one at Walmart and I would decorate it and mama would not be happy, right? But this thought that she has in her mind about this tree and this decoration and this family experience, she speaks these words to her household. And when mama says we're cutting down a tree, it doesn't matter. We're cutting down a tree, right? And then we're decorating it, right? This is what we do, if it existed only in her thoughts, it wouldn't exist. And so if I had the thought, you know what I'm gonna buy you? I'm gonna buy you this machine that if you put it on your belly, it's gonna melt the fat away. If I had that thought and I'm looking at you and going, hey, you know, that guy could use this machine. And then I said it out loud. I was like, hey, I'm gonna get you this machine. And you were like, yeah, I really could use that machine. Then my thought would be a word and that word would become an action and then you'd melt your fat away. It would happen overnight. No matter how much eggnog, you just goes, right? Just, you just, right? Or if I had a thought in my mind of what I want for Christmas, hint, hint, I love tiramisu and lots of it. Um, if I had a thought in my mind, but I never spoke those words out loud, that thought would be a thought, but it would never become a possibility or a reality without saying it out loud. The word is all the power and the emotion and the thought behind an action. And so the word of God comes. And this is super particular because word means all the invisible thoughts of God are now made powerfully visible in a person. So when John 1 goes, in the beginning there was God, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All the invisible thoughts of God are now made powerfully visible in a person. The Word, right? This is what he's trying to communicate. Trying to connect something to eternity, something so much bigger than just this. It's, so he goes on, he, he says in verse four, in him was life, the word, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. He's hearkening back again to Genesis chapter one and two. In Genesis chapter two, we read, then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. In him was life. The word shows up and he is the hands and feet of God. Who is it in Genesis 2 that takes the dust of the ground, picks it up and blows life into it, but the word. He's the craftsman of God. He's the hands and the feet. He's the powerful thought that becomes a person, an action that moves outside of the brain and the foreknowledge of God into reality, the reality of God. In him was life, John says, and that life was the light of mankind. He continues, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There's, there's this aspect of Jesus He's coming and he's the one who makes all things physical. But when John says this, he's talking about how there's more going on than just physical, right? He's the source of life and light physically, but there's something else that's going on in the world beyond physical light, but darkness. There's physical light and spiritual light. There's physical darkness and spiritual darkness. The word is life and light physically and spiritually. 
It's this wider, bigger view, and the darkness cannot overcome it. John's giving us a hint about who Jesus is and what he's going to come and do and why he comes to do it. There's something in this eternal God who is the Word, who's existed before time and space, who was God and is God and is the hands of God, and he's going to do something that no darkness is going to be able to stop. And so you, you go like, who is this word? When John's writing this, who is this word? And you have to go to verse 14 to see this word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He's talking about the historic person of Jesus of Nazareth. He's like, no, let me connect all this to what I'm trying to say. I'm talking about eternity and something, something big and this is really profound. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory We've seen the glory of the hands and feet of God, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This Word who was God and is God and comes from God and becomes a person. The Son of God is the long-promised Jewish Messiah. He's the eternal Son. He is the hands and feet of God. He is the one who carry out God's creation commands. He's the one whose hands and feet carry out the salvation plan of God by dying on a cross. He carries out and will carry out the restoration plan of God. He's the hands and feet of God who will dry every tear from every eye and make all injustice right. He is the word made flesh who dwelt among us. And if we get stuck in the eight pound, six ounce version, we miss all of this. And it's kind of big, it's eternal, it's cosmic, it's hard to get your mind around, I get it. And so what John does is he knows as he's writing this that this is getting a little bit much. So in verse six, it's interesting, he kind of anchors it back to kind of here and now. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. John's like, I know what I'm talking about is crazy and it's big and it's hard to get your mind around. You know, in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, something like three or 400 prophecies, promises that God makes. And he says, I'm gonna send someone who's gonna rescue you from your sin. I'm gonna send someone who's gonna fix all the injustice. I'm gonna send someone. He makes all these detailed promises over thousands of years that Jesus is going to come and he's going to make all things right. And he knows how dense and dumb we are. So he goes, you know what I'm going to do? Just in case you might miss him, I'm going to send someone ahead of this Jesus to make sure you get it, to make sure you see it so that you don't miss it. I'm going to send someone who's not the light, who's going to be a witness to the light so that you don't miss the one who's promised. And so Mary, the mother of Jesus, has a cousin named Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is old. I don't know exactly how old she is, but she's really old and she has no children. And all of a sudden, they find out she's going to have a child. Now, you just had Thanksgiving. If your 80-year-old aunt is at the table and she's like, hey, everyone, I'm having a kid. Like, are you sitting up straight and going like, what? Like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, no, that doesn't work. Well, that's what happens. God's like, I'm sending my son. He's gonna come. He's a word. 
He's the one who was before all things, and you're gonna miss him. You might miss him. You're so dense. You miss a lot. I'm gonna send someone ahead of him who's going to be a sign to make sure I have your attention and you see him. I'm going to send someone in advance to make sure you don't miss. How many times are you and I so dense we miss the work of God? How many different things does he send into your life to get your attention? How many times has he wanted you to hear his voice? He wants to tell you something. He wants to communicate with you. He wants to interact with you. But you and I are so dense. And so he'll send other people into your life like he sent John to prepare a way that you might hear from the God of the universe. And so this John the Baptist that comes is not the light. He's only been sent to testify to the light, but the real light was coming and you don't wanna miss him, John says, because he was the one who was from the beginning and he will be here in the end and everything in the middle is his story and he's inviting you and me into it if we would just have ears to hear. And so more about this next, next week, but just how do I make this practical for you today? Just wanna encourage you that celebrating Christmas requires us to consider Jesus before the manger and after the manger. Don't get stuck at the eight pound, six ounce version. It's beautiful, right? But how far Jesus came, right? He comes from all the glory of eternity past with God the Father into time and space for a moment, grows into a man and his life and story is beautiful. But see the bigger picture, the wider angle view of who this Jesus is. I love the Nicene Creed, so I just wanna kind of share with you. The Nicene Creed, when it's talking about Jesus, says, I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ. This is written by the church fathers to try to capture in words the person and the work of Christ. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, begotten from the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of the same essence of the Father. He's, the fathers are trying to capture for us who this Jesus is from eternity past, living in perfect harmony, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, living before all things, uncreated, God of God, light of light, shows up on planet Earth. The exact essence of the Father continues through him, all things were made. Remember, he's the craftsman. He's the hands and feet of God for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, his hands, his feet, making a way, doing miracles, being nailed to a cross. He became incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary was made human. He was crucified for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. He's the hands and feet of God to bring about salvation for you and me. The thought becomes a person who does the action of paying our debt on the cross, but it doesn't stop there. The third day, he rose again from the dead, proving he's not just a moral, good moral guy that was another created being like any other created being. No, he's the eternal son of God. According to the scriptures, he ascends to heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again with glory to judge the living and the dead. His kingdom will never end. This eight pound, six ounce baby Jesus is so much greater 
so much bigger, so much beyond, who carries out God's creative plan, who carries out God's salvation plan, who is going to restore all things. And when you back up and look at him in his totality, you have something to worship and a word from God that will guide you in all areas of life. Because the actions and the words of Jesus are the actions and the words of God. To see Jesus is to see God. To hear Jesus is to hear God. To obey Jesus is to obey God. To have faith in Jesus is to have faith in God. There is no way to God the Father except through the Son. He's the central focus, right? He's the hands and feet and the words and the heart of God in the flesh for us to worship and to see and to embrace. And so I'm just gonna keep encouraging you over the next number of weeks, widen your view past the eight pounds, six ounces. It's super cool, the nativity story, but there's so much more to this story. Widen your view. And maybe a helpful tool, you, you may know this, you may not, but we have an app. And in your app, there's a great way for you to take notes while we're speaking up here, but there's lots of resources in our app that you could use while I'm preaching. But also we dropped in there a resource, the Moody Handbook of Messianic Prophecy. Maybe this Christmas, a helpful tool for you might be to kind of see that Jesus is rooted in thousands of years of promises that God made to his people. And every one of God's promises are fulfilled. And so maybe this year it's slowing down this Christmas and going, you know what? I want to understand Jesus in a wider way. I'd encourage you, just Google this or download it. It's a couple pages and it'll help you give a broader perspective that Jesus that came as a baby is rooted in thousands of years of promise and his life existed way before that and he fulfills all of them. So maybe that's a helpful tool for you this Christmas. We're going to keep talking about widen your view this Christmas, widen your view because then you have something to worship that sustains you through every season of life. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the promises made. I thank you that you've existed before all time, that you know us and you care about us and this is your story. We're actors in it. We play a part, but you're the author. You're the creator. You're the sustainer and you have more than a thought in your mind, God. You have a word spoken, lived, walked, who suffered and rose again and advocates for us and is going to return to make all things right and new. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. So widen our view. Give us eyes to see and faith to believe that you're far more worthy than the technology that's given under a tree. You're far more worthy than eggnog and tradition. You're far more beautiful than the Christmas moments we share as family and friends. You are so incredibly worthy. And it's when we zoom out and see you for your fullness that we catch a glimpse of your eternity, your majesty, that we have something to celebrate and something to anchor to that goes way beyond the here and now. So give us a glimpse of your son, Jesus, in new and fresh ways this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.